Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to the Kanks Cast Podcast. New episodes are released weekly. Follow on Twitter and Instagram at KanksCast. Like on Facebook and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. This is your weekly Sacramento Kings podcast for Kings fans, by Kings fans. As always, this episode is brought to you by Ziggy Smoke Shop. You can follow Ziggy Smoke Shop on Instagram at Ziggy Smoke Shop 209. They have location Stockton and Tracy. Uh, we are coming off of a super fun episode uh, just last week. We brought on Casey Yost from Kingsland to talk about everything going on on that page. Uh, Kingsland is a page that we started with KC to bring some Kings fans together to talk about everything going on. Uh, you can join that group on Facebook groups. It's a public group, so check that out. And then if you're looking for any of Kings Cast's episodes, you can find them streaming wherever you find your podcasts. Bringing in my co-host today, as always, Ryan, was good. What is going on? Uh, rough week. Sacramento got blasted by 38 last night. Um, it actually worked out. Okay. So like, you know, I, I wake up really early to go to work and stuff. And, uh, I, I literally wake up at three forty-five in the morning and I, I go into work so I can work out before work. And then, you know, I get home, I'm home by two 30 every day, you know, and I get to spend the rest of the day with the kid and stuff. So yes, it sucks. Sacramento got blown out, but the fact that I was able to go to bed a little earlier made it just a little bit better. All right. You know, I got a newborn kid at home. It's sleep isn't, it's not a, uh, a guaranteed thing around this household. So that was the one positive that came out of the blowout. Other than that, we got football playoffs this weekend. Me and Eric are huge football playoff fans. I got my new King swag that I got going on. I bought a shit ton of Kings gear this week. Some off eBay, uh, some off like that brand 47, uh, Mitchell and Ness stuff. So I'm pretty pumped, man. I'm pretty stoked I'm drinking my whiskey right now. It's going to be a good show. Yeah, so we're recording this on Saturday evening, the 16th. So last night, the Kings got blasted. Blasted. So, you know, it's always – I always say Kingsland. I had a, I had a funny – well, I'll say this. Kingsland's always better, Ryan, and Kings cast is always better when, when the Kings win. And we don't really like to come here right after games sometimes because it, it, we don't want to be emotional and give emotional takes. Uh, but the last week has been up and down, man, just like, just like the season – you know, since since we've last, well, I guess we said just like the season we predicted it would go right, and just since our last podcast, you know, four games, uh, one and three in that time, but they had a tough tough games to put the Blazers twice, which is I just don't think it's a, t- a good matchup for them. Nope. You know, the game the game against the Pacers, which was a really good game, um, and then the Clippers, Gotta obviously not a good not not a good matchup, but. That let's start off with something positive, man. We you know, and if you're listening to Kane's cast and you're new, just checking us out. You know, we've been doing this for a while. We're not game recap guys. So if you're coming here for those game breakdowns, those those recaps, not what we're doing. We're just talking about all the, the takes and giving our opinions. But 
Uh, we'll start with something nice, Ryan. That Pacers game that was that was probably one of the that was might have been the most fun game for me um, all season, um, and it, it was just a good game. The Pacers are a solid team. Uh, my favorite moment from that game. Darren Fox just fucking dunked two moments really. Darren Fox just dunked hard as shit over everybody. I say everybody was really like one person, but I say everybody. I put out something funny, Ryan. I said Kingsland's always better when Darren Fox. I said like I always say, Kings fan Kingsland's always better when Darren Fox forcefully dunks his nuts in someone's face to close out a game. So that was awesome, you know. And then the other moment was uh, on that game was Buddy Hilda hit a really big three. I think to t- take it to like a five point lead, which really kind of solidified the game. So Buddy Hilda had a a bad stretch Ryan, but he had a couple uh good games. Um, you know, I don't know what's going on right now. Their defense is fucking terrible. You know, but it, there is some moments and, and the up and downness is what we expected, but some of these downs are down, down, down. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure, for sure. Like all right, there is no you know, no excuse. I don't care how bad of an NBA team you are. Okay. If you are an NBA franchise, you can't lose by 38 at home. Okay, like you, that you just can't. I don't care, you know, if this was the Charlotte Bobcats of 2004, I think was their first year, you know, against the prime San Antonio Spurs on a random Tuesday, right? You, you can't lose by 38 at home. You know, that's just not good, especially when you have talented players. You know, there there is talent. Uh, it's not very deep talent, but there is four guys on this roster that are good players, you know, so you, it just can't happen. But I will say, I want to go, I want to touch on something real quick before we jump into our main discussion. Uh, I can't remember the last time that Sacramento didn't give up at least 20 points to both the starting point guard and the starting shoot guard, shooting guard in the game. Uh, I, I was just, it, you were talking about the Pacers game, and I went back and while you were talking about, I was looking at the box score. Oladipo went for 21. Uh, Brogdon went for 24. You know that McCollum and Damian Lillard have torched us twice. Um, you know, going back to even the Bulls, career nights from Kobe White and Zach Levine. Um, you know, yesterday with, I guess, I guess the starting shooting guard and point guard were, were out for uh, the Clippers. But, you know, their two stars went off again. So uh, it's really, to me, is just, you know, it always seems like the two best players are always on the other team. That's, that's just what it's really seemed like for this season. I know we're, I don't, we're not going to talk about it. Just, I want to put that in people's heads just to think about that. Uh, you know, it's, it's never, I, not once this year have I looked at the court and been like, dang, we have the best player on the court, you know? So a little food for thought. I don't know. A couple times, like guys have had good games. Like Darren Fox had good games. I think that, um, it, it, I don't buddy's know. Game, uh, buddy's game against the Pacers the other night was nice. Yeah, and even but, even like you Harrison know, Barnes is kind of having a career a career. He dropped thirty that game. Yeah. So. so, but but that is. But then you also look at and you go back and you go look at like Sabonis, right? I think Sabonis went for like twenty eight and like double digit rebounds, dude. So like you look at that and it was like, all right, cool. Demontis Sabonis really was like the best player on the court that night. You know, like yeah, the Kings shot really really well, but you talk about impact and. And, you know, he, he just was the best player on the court that night. You know what I mean? It's 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 going to be an so, interesting – It, gonna it, it be, is what it is. That's my thing. It's going to be a really interesting season, you know, because like we we talked about this with Casey last week, and it's something – you know, I like to reiterate points week over week because people don't always listen to us, and sometimes I guess they don't – the points don't always stick. But I guess my point here is when you are a floating around 500 team, 
um, you're never really going to reel off really big win streaks. And that's tough. Like when you don't reel off five in a row, you know, you lose, you win, you win two, you lose one, you lose two, you know, that, that can be very frustrating. And especially when you have bad, when you play in the Western conference and then you have bad matchups against good teams, then they, then the things get bloody like they did last night. I mean, and so people, I, I want to say, you know, people kind of overreact, you know? And so I think one of the themes tonight as we go into the episode, Ryan, is probably like overreaction and overvaluing of players because people want to point blame at, at one player for, for the credit and for the blame, I guess, you know, well, it seems like after every game, Buddy Hill, just, <laughs> he's the problem from everybody, you know? And, and I know that's probably not even going to be our main topic tonight, but because we do address that most weeks, but there's a lot more issues here. I think one thing you said that we've we've said from the off season is that really the Kings, when it when it comes to like five to seven, you know, they're top five to seven. I think they're super talented and they can hang with a lot of teams. And I think that's why when you see in the first half they they get out to leads and hang with every team they play against. But you get to that third quarter, you get to that second half where things get clamped down. You know, it, one player needs to score buckets on consecutive possessions and like they have a hard time doing that. that's where you have like D- Damian Lillard or Zach Levine, or you just named, you named the score that they've gone against has been able to do that. Um, and that's kind of been a problem for the Kings. And so, so that's why we were such advocates in the off season about just really uh, cr- trading some stuff and, and f- just getting a formidable bench and getting eight to 12 deep and, you know, really rolling out there with um versatile lineups right and they have not done that and that's really been one of my big knocks you know we can come on here and run and talk about every individual player and everything like that but one of the most frustrating things to me right now is the lack of versatility in their lineups it 100 percent, dude and you know i'm looking at the box score from last night and i'm comparing you know like what was the issue last night right it, it wasn't the starting lineups at all. And this has been a theme that I brought up uh, before in the podcast. Look at this bench, dude. All right. So you have Marcus Morris gives you 18 off the bench. All right. You have freaking, what's his name? Terrence Mann played 30 minutes, 13 off the bench. Luke Kennard, 14 points. You know, and, and it's just, and, and you add that to two stars in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, and you're fucked, dude. You're fucked. And then you go look at the back, you know, the starting five for the Kings played well. All right, you know, like Buddy Heald, rough night. You're going against Paul George and Kawhi. It's hard. I get it, right? But nine points, five assists, right? Darren Fox, 14 and three. Holmes, 17 and five. 14 and six from Barnes and 20 and five from from Bagley. That's a starting lineup. Our bench, you know, me too, 10 points, eight rebounds in 18 minutes. Other than that, our next leading score was Halliburton with five points and Glenn Robinson with five points, okay? You can't have that. Corey Joseph did not score in the game. Okay, you can't have that. The lack of depth, dude, like you said, our top five, is, it's fine. You know, you, you, you usually get with how you throw Hal Burton in there. You know, the top six is fine. But it's that lack of depth, dude, where you just – and a big, a big point, too, is, you know, a big takeaway is rebounding. Okay? Nobody – you know, he had – me, too, had eight rebounds. Other than that, you know, Rashawn Holmes, you can't have five rebounds, dude. I don't care how efficient you are. Okay, I don't care, you know, you average 13.8 points a game, whatever, in the NBA, that's, that's fine. And people are like, he's the most efficient NBA center. I, okay, cool. I need you to rebound, dude. Okay, you can't have five rebounds. Marvin Bagley, you can't have five rebounds. They just can't happen for your starting front court in the NBA if you want to win games, dude. That's, you can't. I think overall, it's, it's really a team thing, and it's, it's no surprise, and it's, 
I've really thought about this. Like, how are we going to come at this, man? Because they got blasted. They've had a couple of bad games. And people, I think that the blame is going in the wrong direction. You know, there's a lot on Luke Walton. There's a lot. I think there's blame to go around. But also, it, it goes back to they didn't, they didn't beef up this, uh, this roster. And, and I don't mean beef it up and you need to get stars. I really think that guys like the last year, like – um, you know, like Kent even Kent Bazemore, right? Yes. Yeah, Kent Bazemore and like Alex Lynn and even Harry Giles. Like the second half of last year, those guys ate a lot of minutes. Like Rashawn Holmes was hurt the second half of last year. And they still were fine because you, you, you were digging deep into the bench. You were able to roll out their different nights with different lineups. And when they were going into this year, it seemed like they just rounded out the last 20% of their team with the G League guys that are non-options. And then what's really frustrating is that Corey Joseph, finally people in Kingsland are coming around to this, right? Because I was hating on Corey Joseph all year last year, and I just got a lot yeah. of, he's a great defender. He's a great defender. He should, yeah. in the member of the bubble, well, he was, he was, was starting over Buddy dude, Hield, and people were like, it was he should. Even, it was even to the point, people brought that into this year. Remember, he came out and had like 15 points to start the season, and people were really like, oh, if you know, we're good. Corey Joseph is going to give us that off the bench. And it's like, you really expect that? That's the best game he's ever going to play. You know, like people, this is a big thing about what me and Eric preach on Kang's cast, dude. One thing that we really are big on, and we are going to talk about it today, is overvaluing players, right? You know, be be true, all right? And people always regress to their averages, okay? They always come back to what they really are in their career, okay? You have somebody who's played 10 years in the NBA, okay? They're a five-point-per-game guy, whatever, you know, his ex-whatever his name is, Okay. He goes and has one good year on a bad team, two good years on a bad team. He goes and gets a good contract, okay? He goes there, he plays legit minutes on a good team, and the stats just aren't there, all right? Guys, it happens every single year. You can, you can look at guys all the time. You can look at a guy like Luke Kennard right now, right, who just got paid by L.A., and I, I know he played a decent game against the Clippers last night, but the guy got like $60 million, all right? He's not doing much. He's, he's, he's digressing back to his, his career averages, and that's something that me and Eric always preach on, and that's what you're getting with guys like Corey Joseph, you know? It, it, it's, and it is what it is that you, people have to realize that. Well, they – the you know they they rely on Corey Joseph all last year. People loved his defense. You know I I just thought it was, you know he is he's average man. Like come on guys, why do you guys all love average players? And then and then they roll in here. Um, they they roll in here with Bealisa who they, now they're counting on another guy who can't even play. So that's two guys who they can't play. I mean really between Metu, Kyle Guy, Bealisa, Corey Joseph. Daquan Jeffries is hurt and they're missing him because like he's he was supposed to somebody they were supposed to count on and he was a G League player. So it's five guys right there off the top of my head who are total non-contributors. So if anything, there is some blame to go towards the front office. I think that in the offseason, Ryan, I think with the shortened offseason, I think they didn't want to make hasty decisions is what I've guessed. And that's what I speculated while they weren't as aggressive. I do expect them to be aggressive and doing something, whether I don't know what direction we'll find that out. But I I think overall right now, that versatility in lineups, lack of depth, you've been talking about bench scoring. I know Isaiah Thomas is talking for a comeback. You've been talking about him for a while. You know, it's just something it's, it's, it's not that we're advocating. They need to have somebody crazy. It's just, they need more guys, more guys. I think that'll help them overall. Um, I don't think it's – and, like, again, I'm going to go back to this. You sense the top five, six, seven guys. It's not them. They're not the issue. You're going to get what you get from that starting lineup. Like, look at you. They lost by 38, but the starting lineup put up the stats, okay? 
the starting lineup played fine. Our starting lineup, you know, I would say outplayed the other starting lineup. Okay. It's that bench, dude. I don't get why you have not why, how you can roll into a season with that type of bench, you know, thank, thank God that Halliburton has panned out so far this, this, this year, because if Halliburton was putting up five points a game, we might not have won a game yet just because he's our best bench player. And after our starting five goes, we have nobody. They're, they're literally borderline NBA players. Well, the interesting thing right now, I wanted to bring this up too, Ryan, is, is about Halliburton because why not, right? It's that because after seven games is they wanted to crown him. You know, you're seeing he's the second best player. You have a couple local publications that they literally call him our Lord and Savior, Tyrese Halliburton, which is just, wow, man, you guys are pathetic. Um, you know, but, but you, the thing is, is when you're counting on him to be your sixth man, um, you, it, it's where you and I talked about this in the, ahead of the draft. It's why we were such advocates for, for trade the pick was because we felt the Kings are close to that tier of making the playoffs, just borderline playoff team. And, you know, I think just when you, you, you can't rely on a rookie all year, you can't because they're just not going to be able to sustain a certain level. There's there, you know, you talk about people regressing to their mean and when young guys, it's like, they're so they're they can go low, 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 and they go really high for flashes, right? There's not a, like a baseline you can count on. And um, that's where you see the last two games. I mean, five points, he had a bunch of turnovers. He had five turnovers, uh, I think, against the Blazers the other night. Blazers, yeah. You know, no one wants to address it. He's very efficient until he's not efficient, right? Yeah. And then no one well, wants nobody, to say Well, nobody wanted to address it because he had like 17 and 9, right? Like nobody's going to say anything when the guy comes out and averages, you know, 17 and 9 assists and five rebounds, which is, you know, cool, great. But like last night, you know, you're right, dude. Five points, uh, five assists, and two rebounds. It's like, you know, a night where Sacramento really needed somebody to come off the bench and play well, and, you know, the rookie just didn't produce. And it's crickets. You know, it's crickets, it's crickets. And like you said, dude, people are calling him the Lord and Savior already. He averages 11.9 points per game, 2.8 rebounds, and 5.6 assists in the NBA. And he's the Lord and Savior. I'm not saying I don't like him. I'm not saying he's not a good player. But, guys, chill out, dude. Like, you can't crown the guy. People have to remember Michael Carter-Williams, who averages less than 10 points a game now, right, and, and was borderline NBA player until he found Orlando, won the rookie of the year, was like 17 and or 16 and seven assists and eight rebounds, whatever, you know. Like, it takes time. And that's where I, we were so scared of relying on, on a guy like that. And I really don't like what overall the front office has done. And I, I think that – they're getting close. I think they're getting close. I think after 20 games, I think moves will be made in some fashion. Um, I will say this too, Ryan, is that, you know, I'm not a fire the coach guy because I always think fire the coach guy is is uh, same thing as kind of like locker room guy. It's It's a no take. You know, it's that emotional sports fan that wants to just place blame and it's just not a smart take. So I'm not ever really a fire a coach guy. Um, but right now, I'm, and I'm not saying fire Luke Walton, but I think that he needs to really take a look at – they need to take a look at things because I don't like the rotations. I don't like the allocation of minutes. I, we're, I'm not going to come on here. I've, we've always said one of our staples is we're not going to be one of those shows in Kingsland that's going to draw up X's and O's. Like, we're not, we're not doing that for you. Um, we'll question maybe certain players' usage. 
um, and you know some minor things. But I'm not going to pretend I know smart. I'm smarter than an NBA coach. Sorry, but I, I will question some of these allocation of minutes. Some of them don't make sense to me. And I think that some of these games, it is a hindrance, really. I mean, the Trailblazers game was a six-point loss, and it's, and it's you have remember Ryan in the fourth quarter. You know, let's talk real quick. Put, you know, let's talk real quick about this, Ryan. You know, the fourth quarter lineup seems to be home. You know, second half, fourth, 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 the closeout lineup, if you will. It's Holmes, Barnes at the front court, which is very undersized, and then you're running, you're running uh, three guards with Buddy Halbert and Fox, and it's like they're trying to play the small ball thing, you know. And then you have Nurkic, and I, I put it in there during the game. You know, in game threads. If you guys aren't in game threads, check out Kingsland's in game threads. They're awesome. We talk a lot in there. Uh, but Nurkic is uh, seven foot, two hundred ninety pounds, and there was a lot of a lot of possessions where the guy just did things and made an impact because of his fucking size, you know. And this is questionable to me on why they're doing things the way they're doing it, man. What's up with this small ball line, man? Do, it, am I are we off base, or what do you think? Well, I think it's them trying to put their their what they believe their five best players are on the court. I, I think that I think they're in Luke Walton's mind and in, in the staff's mind they said okay we're just going to put our five best players in the lineup we're not going to worry about matchup we're not going to worry about anything else we're going to get our best guys on the court and we're going to go try and win and I don't agree with it dude I don't on a on a on a team that doesn't have or hasn't had a double digit rebounder since DeMarcus Cousins okay they don't have a premier defender in that lineup. They are undersized at center with Rashawn Holmes. People, you can say whatever you want about Rashawn Holmes. You can say about how efficient he is, whatever. The guy does not rebound that well. Okay. He's not a good interior defender. Okay. And he's undersized. Again, I like Rashawn Holmes. He should be a power forward. Okay. So when you're putting a 6'8 Harrison Barnes, a they say he's 6'10 Rashawn Holmes at center against, like you said, a seven foot, 290 pound Nurkic on top of you know, two of the, the probably the best backcourt combo in the NBA. It's hard. You know, I it's happened every single game where where Walton's gone back to that lineup. And like you said, man, you got to have variety of lineups. You got to play matchups. And you know, I, I would have liked to see Whiteside in there. Honestly, I, I I really you know Whiteside played a small amount of minutes in like the second first and second quarter, and he made the impact. He was impactful, and then he just never came back. And I would be okay with sending Bagley to the bench because of his lack of deep. He really is the worst defender on the team, okay? And in going Whiteside, Holmes, Barnes, you know, Buddy, Fox, and then you're putting Halliburton in there for spurts if you have to. You know, whoever's – you play out of the three guards, you play the, the two hot guys. And uh, it's just not happened, dude. That You talk about it all the time. You bring it up a lot to me. And that, that lineup's just – I don't get it, dude. I don't get it. And that's, you know, that might be the reason Luke Walton gets fired, honestly. It's just things like that. You know, there was a moment in the other day, the third quarter, everyone went crazy in the thread. And it was, you know, Me Too gets in there with Glenn Robinson. Like, what is this lineup? What are we doing? You know, I don't know what he's he's doing. And um, one of the things we did, we did an episode back in the offseason. We talked about how small ball's fake. And we gave a whole thing about small ball's fake. And, um, you know, kind of the thing about that is like when you're the Kings and you, you can't try to match small ball with small ball and, and because other teams kind of have some superstar players and can do it better. You're going to have to go against the grain and, and play your strengths in that way. Um, but, but one of the things you, I like, real to, quick, I like you, to, you always say, you always say zig or you always try. Yeah. You always say zig when everybody else is zagging, dude. And that's the best 
best thing that I hear you say all the time, dude. You literally every other day, you're like, man, sometimes you just got to zig when everybody's zagging. And that's spot on with that, dude. You know, it, you got to play, you got to play savvy, you know, when you try to do what everybody else is doing, but they have better players. I'm a, it's not, it's not fucking rocket science. Like who's going to do it better. They're going to do it better when it comes down to it, you know, and that's all it is. And so you got to play to those strengths um, a little more, you know, and it, 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 the interesting thing is when you hear this take, it's, and this is going to bring us around into what I think is going to be our bolt conversation tonight. All right. So, uh, so follow along with this one is this brings me into a really interesting take. People say, well, you know, they need to go small before switches. And, you know, people like to say things like that. Do you defend the pick or roll? Do you defend the pick But it's, it's interesting because you go and play against uh, Portland and they have Nurkic out there. He's seven feet, 300 pounds. They seem to be playing a big guy just fine. You play, I mean, I know Jokic is a very interesting, you know, maybe the best center in the league. So that's kind of a great example. But there's a Rudy Gobert, all athletic. You know, you got to kind of do things like that where you put a bigger guy and teams figure it out. Other teams do figure that out. Um, and and really, I think what, like I said, this is going to bring us into our bulk conversation, right? And it's really our, our take on Rashawn Holmes because that's starting to heat up lately because Rashawn Holmes is playing. He's playing well, right? And so people are going nuts. And and I think you said it. I've said it. We, we always say it. It's Rashawn Holmes is a power forward. If you look in the box scores, he's listed as a power forward. Before he came to Sacramento, he was listed as a power forward. His his skill set uh, pretty much is, is uh, built to be a power Now, he could be a center on an athletic wing team. team. I think you've talked about like, you know, the Clippers, the Lakers, talking about these elite teams you know, where he can do that, but he's not a true center. And that's where you see that lack of rebounding, right, and, and lack of interior defense, which is a deficiency for them. So, uh, you know, with Sean Holmes right now, Ryan, uh, I know that the, both of us feel this way, so I'll speak for both of us and say we kind of predicted going into this year, we did our who's most likely to get traded, and I thought, or who should the Kings trade, you know, whatever. I said Rashawn Holmes because he's going into, he's in a contract here, you know, um, and – and I think the thing about Rashawn Holmes is that, like, I think there's a lot of overvaluing out there because he plays well in hustles, but I don't know if how much it translates to impact on the, on the court. You know, I, I get worried because last year, Rashawn Holmes played his best basketball in the first half of the season last year, which was a worse stretch than the Kings are going through now. And it was the, it was the worst uh, basketball all year the Kings played. He was the one, he was the only one playing well. And then he got hurt and they played better. You know, I'm not saying that's because of him, but then this year he's playing, he's, he's playing okay, but I don't know how much of an impact. I mean, his stats are just okay. Now I, I had a, a manual from Cowboy Kings today. He, he tells me, Ryan, that they can actually look to trade Bagley and extend Rashawn Holmes for 15 million a year. I think that's insane, man. Um, and I think the Kings should trade him because they, they can't lose him for nothing, man. Well, you know, if they don't, you know, time will only tell. Okay, we we have to hope that McNair is smarter than Vladi because last year this is the same situation minus the restrictive free agency with Bogdanovich. Me and Eric were calling for, hey, you need to trade Bogdanovich at the deadline because if you don't, you're going to lose him for nothing. And look what happened. Okay, now Rashawn Holmes. Okay, he's on a five million dollar deal. Okay, he's like making like five million this year. He's playing really well. He's playing the best basketball of his career. Okay. The biggest thing that I've seen about from people from, from Kingsland about Rashawn Holmes is he's part of the young core, okay? Outside of him, Halliburton, and Fox, those three, they're, they're, that's the core. Everybody else is expendable, you know? But people, if you really think that, then you really don't understand how trades in the NBA work, okay? 
you know, if you think that you're going to be able to solve today, somebody said that, you know, they're going to be able to flip Harrison Barnes for something. Okay. If you think that you're going to be able to flip Harrison Barnes, just because he's having a really good stretch of basketball, if you're going to be able to flip him to anybody for an asset, that's really, really meaningful in the long term. you're completely wrong, okay? He's making too much money. The way trades happen in the NBA is guys at the deadline get, will get traded con- to contenders because they're either on cheap deals or expiring deals, and they'll get that first-round pick back, and they'll get another expiring deal back. Something with that, or you know, something with, with regards to that, okay? No contending team in their right mind is going to trade anything for Harrison Barnes, okay? because he costs too much money. You know, they, you know, if they're willing to take him and, and we take a deal back to match the salaries, that's something different, but that doesn't help Sacramento in the long run. Okay. Sacramento is not going to get a, a first round draft pick. Okay. They are not going to get a young piece. It's just not going to happen. The guy makes too much money. Okay. So when you look at it, Rashawn Holmes is your best trade asset. Okay. He's one of your better players. He's playing really well. He can help a team off the bench. There is no reason why Rashawn Holmes can't be a similar player to Montrezl Harrell. I was telling Eric about this today on my way home from work, okay? Montrezl Harrell, undersized guy, doesn't rebound well. He can score, okay? He's an energy guy. They're they're similar size. There is no reason why Rashawn Holmes can't go to a contender, okay? We can get actual value back, and Rashawn Holmes can thrive from there, okay? We do not need to pay Rashawn Holmes $15 million a year. Why? Because the guy will be 28 by the end of the season, okay? If you go give him $15 million a year, you're probably looking at a four-year contract, right, at 15 mil, right? So four-year, 60 mil. By the time that contract's done, the guy's 33, 34. What, what good does that do us, okay? So I really think that it is you need to get rid of Rashawn Holmes at the deadline or you'd be afraid of losing him for nothing, okay? Because they do not need to pay the guy. You know what's interesting, Ryan, is, you know, we – we're very much off the cuff, you know, right? King, King's cast is zero script, you know, right? I just kind of come on here and talk and give you credit for this take, Ryan, because you, you just kind of talked about a player who you thought was similar, right? Just from you watching, you don't know their stats. I mean, you can tell me their stats. Right now, um, Rashawn Holmes is averaging, and this is like his career high. He's he, Last year, he was more in the 12 point. He's 13.8, 7.6 rebounds, two assists. Montrezel, I can't ever say his Montrezel Harrell. Montrezel Harrell. Guess so. he has a little L dangling at the end of his name, which is all f- sorts of fucked up. But guess guess what his it. points are, Ryan? Thirteen point eight points, seven rebounds. It's exactly the same as Sean Holmes. What's the what's their minutes? What's their minutes looking like? Um, 20, 24 for Harrell, and I'm assume I'm gonna assume Holmes is getting more than that. He's at twenty eight oh, this year, so 30, six more yeah, minutes. So yeah. so yeah, Harrell is sure. playing better, and, and that was you said what 10, 10 million on the contract. So no, Montrose Harrell gets two years. I think he signed a two years nineteen mil with the Lakers. I think I want to say it was two years nineteen mil as the reigning six man in the league. And this is the thing, okay? This is this is the problem with Sacramento right here, okay? Is they want to crown they want to crown guys to be their saviors and to be a core guy moving forward who's going to be 28 pretty soon this year okay he's the same age as I am okay he's going to be 28 and you want to crown that guy as a savior who is 6 years 8 years older than Halliburton okay if you really believe that Halliburton and Fox are the future you know and I would probably throw Bagley in there because of the age anybody outside of those 3 fair game you know, fair game. Look and see what you can do. Okay. 
But the fact that people say that Holmes is part of the long-term plan on a $5 million expiring deal this year, and he's playing the best basketball of his career. All I'm going to say is do not be surprised when the guy gets moved. Do not go, you know, tweeting and going in Kingsland and putting all this crap out. Why did we do that? We're the worst. Right? No, the guy's 28. Okay. He's yes. He's playing the best, best basketball of his career at the right time. The perfect time for Sacramento to flip him. It's perfect. And, and you know what? Don't uh, Colin Coward, who is, I listen to Colin Coward every day, have for like 10 years, you know, and Colin Coward has a saying where he says, uh, don't fall in love with players, fall in like with players. Right. And that's why I, I apply that to this situation right here. You can't fall in love with guys. And it's, it's those fans, you know, it's what they did with Bogdanovich last year. You overvalue a guy because he's here. I've said it a bunch of times. My theory on this, I don't think a lot of people out there in Kingsland watch the NBA. You know, night in, night out. They don't check box scores every night. They, they, they don't know player comps. All they see is their player on their team and who's doing well on their team. And when it's the third best player on your team, you think they're really good. But in reality, compared to everybody else in the league, they're, they're just – they're monstrous all hell. And they, and they see you know? stupid stats. They see stupid stats like he's the most efficient center in the NBA. They see that and they think, oh, my God. Oh, my yes. God. He's worth yes. – you know – Hey, before bef the most efficient center over the last 10 years, I'm not looking. I don't know this by anything, but I, if I had to take a guess, I would guess DeAndre Jordan. Okay. Like if I had to think of who's over the last 10 years, who's the most efficient center of the last 10 years, I would say DeAndre Jordan. Right. And I'm probably not far off. He's probably up there. Right. And do you guys ever think of DeAndre Jordan as an offensive center? No, you don't. All you think of is that guy is a lob city and he jumps and blocks shots and that's it. Right. So there you go. It's just high percentage shots. Now, it's not to take away from Rashawn Holmes. I think Rashawn Holmes, to his credit, has come in this year, expanded his offensive game. He's more reliable. Yeah, and he's a good player. Um, here's the here's the take because I said I got into it with not I got into it, but you know I was talking with Emmanuel today from Cowboy Kingdom in, in the in the thread, and um, you know one of the things I said is I think that right now he's redundant with Marvin Bagley. It's a redundant position, and when you have a guy who's older and he's up for a contract. And he's kind of playing above his – he's playing, playing at an all-time high. It's probably the best you're going to squeeze out of him. There's no need to overpay him. You flip him, you build up your bench, you build up an, another position where there's a deficiency, and you let it go up, you know? Because I, and, and when I heard trade Bagley, I, I said, to be clear, like, you want to trade – you think they should choose Marvin Bagley over Holmes? And he said, yes. And he said, some guys outwork – high draft picks. I'm like, well, he's 21. So there's that, you know, but the number one thing is that Marvin Bagley, his statistical baseline. Okay. Is it, and that's the, when I say statistical baseline, his statistical low is Rashawn Holmes's statistical ceiling is high. All right. So the highest Rashawn Holmes can get statistically is the lowest Marvin Bagley is going to play at. I mean, for all the struggles and injuries that Marvin Bagley has, go look at his career stats. They're 13, 14 a game, seven, eight rebounds. Uh, this year, Holmes is having a career year. It's 13.8 and seven rebounds. I mean, you know, I get that there's more that doesn't show up on the box score there that people love to criticize me and say, oh, you know, he plays with effort or he, he, he switches better or he – Look, a 21-year-old guy, body not developed, injury history, hasn't even played that many games. I'm sure he's going to figure it out in a couple of years, man. I'm sure by the time he's 28, he can and, do a lot of the same things, probably better. But just gonna, I'm going to vote on that. I'm going to vote on yeah. that. And, and if Rashawn Holmes really was that good of a de defender, the Kings wouldn't have the worst 
defense in the history of the NBA right now through the first <laughs> whatever. You know what I mean? Like if he's really that good at, def- at defense, your your defense wouldn't be the worst in the NBA. You can't have a you can't have an elite defender on your team and have the worst defense in the history of NBA. That's just not how things work. Okay, so you're you're spot on, man. You're spot on. And and what last thing about Rashawn Holmes, okay? is I compared him to, to Montrezl Harrell because I think I legitimately think that if, if Rashawn Holmes went to a contender and came off the bench and was able to feast on backup big guys, he would be a tear. He's the type of guy who, who could be a six-man-of-the-year candidate like Montrezl Harrell, 100%, dude. 100% Mon, or Rashawn Holmes can, be, can do what Montrezl Harrell does and, and be that type of guy, just not in Sacramento. And, you know, if Rashawn Holmes was three years younger, this would be a different conversation. But the guy is 28 years old, and he doesn't match the timeline of Halliburton and Fox. I've said if, if, if his money is in the five to eight million or whatever, you know, yes. okay, that's fine. Okay. Two years, two years, 19 mil like Montrezl Harrell, I'd be ecstatic. Yep, that's market value. But, but, but then with that, I say, and this is what we said in the offseason, Ryan, and it's not to pick on Rashawn Holmes now, but if it goes against our theme for the evening, which was – you know, you overvalue players and, and lack of depth, I think, is the two big things, you know. Yeah. Um, and then the overreaction, I think that was what I said, big themes. But one other thing I said in the offseason, we were such, like, let's upgrade the center position. Think about it. If you're a Kings fan listening to me right now, okay, just just think, think this through, okay? Currently, they're not deep. They're like six or seven deep. What's wrong? with bringing in some guys you, you know, we'll probably talk about in the future, Ryan is bringing in some specialists like a white side, somebody out there in the NBA, you know, who's a rebounder or a big, big body interior defender or a shot blocker, whatever. And moving some of these guys down in the lineup. Now that's what I was excited that they did this year with Bielisa. Bielisa got a lot of starts over the last two years. And finally the guys got moved out and he's not moved out of the rotation. I think because he's getting older and, and just not fitting what they're wanting to do, but it's that theory. So the, in theory, why not try to go get a, a guy who in the starting lineup is formidable, who has interior defense, shot blocking is going to get you 10 rebounds and Rashawn Holmes can be your bench guy. Because then, then, then you go look, and then you have Holmes on your bench with Halbert. Now it's, you're talking. Now you're talking. And that was the thing last year. And so, overall, that's my biggest take. And I think your biggest take, Ryan, on Kingsland currently, on the Sacramento Kings currently. Um, yes, the guys are all over the place. And you can get up and down about one player, the coach, or whatever. And you, you're going to be right some nights. But at the end of the day, guys, you can't overreact to one game, even a stretch of games. You know, you, it's a very long season, and it's about – Ryan said it earlier. It's one of the sayings we have on here. It's, it is – look at the – and Casey said it last week, Ryan, the law of averages, people regressing to their mean. What's their, what's their ceiling? What's their consistent level of play? That's what you have to look at, you know, and I think um, when you look at that, I think things become a little more clear. So, um Hey, guys, we appreciate you listening. Uh, if you ever want to interact or be part of the show, you can always do so by tagging us. Ryan and I are on Facebook and Twitter at Kingscast Eric and at Kingscast Ryan. Um, and we're active on a number of Facebook groups, including ours, which is Sacramento Kingsland page. It's a public Facebook group. Um, check it out. Best game threads out there. Um, stay up to date with the podcast releasing weekly. You can find it anywhere at Kingscast. And then find the podcast where you find your podcast streaming. So with that for Ryan, this is Eric. Go Kangs. Thanks.
This episode was brought to you by Ziggy Smoke Shop, 209's headiest smoke shop. Follow them on Instagram at Ziggy Smoke Shop 209 for a view of all of their awesome inventory. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.